Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Inside Scoop this week. Hey, Oscar. Hi there. This week, we're talking about some philosophy that is going to be almost uh, the thing that we said last week. What is it like? Socrates versus Zen or Socrates versus Taoism, sort of? Yeah, if, if you want to say. Sort of. But the that. thing is, we're, we're pretty much just uh, looking into what Socrates yeah. Was, I mean, and I don't know about you, but I say yeah, I'm, a, I'm an amateur in this. I'm a hobbyist. Oh, and dude, I'm, I, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't even call myself that. I'm literally just a, a dude, who's interested. But then usually, um, the person who's interested is not even a hobbyist, because you know, there's loads of loads of things that people say. Oh, oh, I'm interested. Oh, that's cool. Oh, this and that. But right. Well, I mean, you're you're said you're like seventy percent for the book or something. Yes, sort of, almost finishing it up, but you know. And it's uh, how how thick is it? Oh, I don't know, page wise. It's the so the book first of all, because I I don't think I even told you what the book was. Okay. Uh, so the book is by Alan Watts. It's called The Way of Zen. The book was published in uh, 1957. Uh, it's a, a non-fiction book. And uh, yeah, I don't know, don't know about the thickness specifically. Mm -hmm. There's there's loads of variants, you know, like A A4 PDFs, there's uh, smaller books, you know. But it it says 236 pages whatever, but yeah. Okay. So I mean, I've I've started reading it some time ago, but then I really got through the biggest chunk of it yesterday or uh, the day before. But the thing is, it's so hard to to sum it up. You know, I'm not a an expert in literature and all that. I can't really comprehend everything that's written there. Mm -hmm. it, it it may as well ha just have been an experience that happened and exchanged uh, a zen-like exchange between me and the book <laughs> okay the book just gave me the words and i accepted them but then did anything change did i understand anything maybe no maybe maybe yes mm. i don't know it's like <laughs> but anyway i think your book was probably more valuable in terms of uh or like it had more facts Possibly. Uh, well, I mean, I'm. I would. I, I can't even say I'm a fifth way of a way through it. Yeah, but like, okay. Um, so, so what was yours? Because yeah, I've heard that it's something about Socrates, but then I, at the same time, I, I didn't know what book you were reading. Right. So it's uh, a compilation of Plato's dialogues. Plato is a student of Socrates. Oh, okay. So Socrates didn't actually write anything himself, and one of the reasons or what I've read the reason for that was was that uh, if, I, if I, he said that philosophers or he believed that philosophers shouldn't write things down they should converse with each other and, mm. and pass knowledge that way because if you write something down and it gets into the wrong hands somebody can make arguments against it without your presence and there's nobody to oppose those arguments wow that's a uh, damn dude people should learn from this stuff these days so imagine twitter 
people post something on Twitter without even intending it to sound, uh, you know, things get taken out of context, out of context so often. Yep. Wow. So that's cool. But that was part of my just online research because I, I, I knew that from reading this from early on that I probably wouldn't, um, straight away get a lot of the philosophy. Yeah. Um, because it is, well, you're entering re really the mind of Plato, who was influenced by Socrates, because these are fictitious conversations. Uh, so it's uh, Plato's interpretation, uh, in a way, of Socrates. Um, but a lot of it is dialogues with, with well, <laughs> the dialogues, the five dialogues. It's conversations with people, dialogues. I suppose, with people of Athens, um, that for the most part are like talking to idiots. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but do you think he was also stereotyping? Sorry, do you think he was stereotyping too? Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, perhaps. Uh, but I think the kind of. Uh, the kind of people that are represented in this book exists today as well. Uh, I mean, religion exists today as well, and not, not this isn't anything about any kind of judgment of religion. I, you know, I'm not giving my opinion on religion here. Yeah, we're reading but, the book and the reading but, of the facts, uh, I guess. Just, it's, you know, Plato here, um, imagining Socrates conversate or, or portraying Socrates' conversations with Athenians, but are fictitious. He shows very simple fallacies in their thinking. So, which a lot of it in this first one has to do with, with religion and their beliefs in gods and what gods believe is good and bad. This first one is about um, somebody or the, the, the person that Socrates is talking to um, prosecuting his own father for a murder. Uh, and he's trying to explain that it is what uh, that it is pious, or that word kind of means like uh, religious, like good in the religious sense. I, I still can't really know what I still don't really know exactly what the word is supposed to mean. Mm -hmm. But it's like right. Well, it's good in the in the right in the eyes of God, because um, as described here, and then. Yeah, I mean, Socrates or Plato, whatever, Socrates goes on to show his, show the fallacy in the argument, um, saying that the gods dispute between themselves. So how can you know if one god says this thing is good and another god that you also believe in says this is bad? How can you know this is good or bad? And this just goes on for <laughs> so long. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it's there's not a lot of philosophy that I'm going to get out of out of like most of this. I mean, it's it's kind of interesting, but I hope that at some point I will come across something here that um, I wouldn't have heard uh, said before of the philosophies of Socrates or Plato. So that's kind something. of uh, questioning stuff, pretty much, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, like, questioning. Just stuff. keep questioning. But, but it's uh, not as fun as when you're. <laughs> When, when you're in a position of where you, 
you're watching it happen between two people or you're reading of, of it of a conversation of it happening between two people because there isn't that kind of I'm trying to explain something to you I already know who is right in this uh -huh. basically and I'm just kind of watching you explain to somebody not as wise as you why he is wrong <laughs> huh. uh, but I, I don't know I'm only, I've only started reading the book yeah, yeah. Uh, but the, oh. the 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 stuff I found from my internet research, as I've just said, was far more interesting. Uh, yeah. About Socrates, the man himself. Uh, the thing about not writing things down. Oh, okay. Well, it's but. like uh, it's like you remember the quote that I sent you from Tao Te Ching by Lao Tzu. Uh, when it, it read, those who know do not speak, those who speak do not know, which is a kind of an interesting one. Mm -hmm. So it's like almost to say that you're supposed to just be quiet, yep. not share stuff about, about you know. Well, I had a quote on my Facebook, if you go into my cover pictures, from Plato, before I read anything of Plato. Oh. Uh, I, I, I don't know where I saw it, uh, but I decided to use it as a quote. It was... Uh, well, let's, let's I, find I don't it. Wanna, I don't want to get it wrong. So I shall find it. Oh, you shall find it then. Yes. I'll let you find it. <laughs> it's most likely not about work. It's most likely not about... Okay. Wise men speak because they have something to say. Fools, because they have to say something. Wow. So that's kind of like what you're saying. Right uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> Mine is more straight to the point. It's just like, don't speak. Just never speak. <laughs> so yeah. It's almost like, let the person figure out by themselves. or like, I don't know, man. It's just different. Yeah, I mean, interpre interpretations have to also be different, you know. Maybe some things just get lost in translation or whatever, but yeah. Um, but I guess this, so so I'll, I'll I'll introduce that Zen concept a bit, I guess. So it's not about speaking, right? Because with Zen, the master almost always knows the answer before the student even questions. It's like the master is supposed to to answer. Well, it's 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 almost like you know those weird exchanges where a student comes to the master and asks something, and then the the the, the, the I don't know if I'm calling it the right way. You know, the master, the monk, the I don't know. Uh, so so it, it just asks like, what is the you know what is the meaning of of life or what is the purpose, and then the the master doesn't even think about it. It just says. A blossom of a cherry tree or something mm. which is sort of so out of the context but at the same time it, it it really you can't really answer such a question you have to find it out for yourself and mm. so what i think well i just had this thought right now literally this came to me right now but that this quote which says those who who know uh, do not speak those who speak do not know but then at the same time how do you, how would you transfer the knowledge? You transfer it by showing stuff. 
then you eventually end up at the world you started with. Yeah. So it all goes in circles. And that's why I don't really go with definitions when I um, try to improve my English um, or any language, but mainly English because I don't work on any of my other languages, of which there are two, English and Polish. But, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but um, I generally just look at the etymology of a word, which mm. is the origin of the word. Yeah. And that is that basically goes goes down and and um breaks it down into um it is it occasionally or or generally or often it's uh it's a combination of two words that come together or a word in the suffix or a word in the prefix and those in themselves are very simple but when they come together they just kind of have this form of this of this new word and say modern english or contemporary english and then what adds more meaning to that word is is uh, the country of origin and also the people that used it and and stuff like that which is a lot to think about where you could just have a definition of a word but mm. definitions goes in circle go in circles yeah uh which is maybe kind of a tangent but yeah wow dude i just got a different meaning of a quote. Wow. There's a quote that reads, a thing is a thing, not what is said of that thing. Mm. And I and I was like, where did I hear this quote? Birdman. Movie Birdman. This thing was written on the mirror. You got cut out there. Oh my God, dude. Was written that on thing, what? A mirror. Oh. So it, it no, it was just uh, just a a normal casual scene. What seems like right? It's uh, don't know if you watched the movie Birdman. Mm -mm. It's a very how do I say? It's literally one of my favorite movies. I've heard of it. I think, but mm -hmm. it's a oh man, dude! It's a very very interest. Like it is about a person, you know, who is known for his Birdman movies. So in the movie, the person is getting chased almost, you know, like not chased, but by an image of himself as that Birdman, you know, because usually these superhero movies, the actor dresses up a costume and becomes a superhero and all that. So funnily enough, the actor in the movie Birdman, which was being chased by the persona of that Birdman, has actually, in real life, acted in Batman movies, and he was the Batman. So this, pre I think it has some darker meanings under there, right? But yeah, but mm. that movie was kind of an interesting one, and then I was like, holy shit. So this is where it was written in. And I never really thought of that quote too much. I was like, well, it makes sense. You know, it's it's not the rumors. You have to check in with like what the thing is actually about, right? Yeah. It's like you, in a popular culture, you could probably use this quote in terms of, oh, you know, I'm not that. You need to, you know, actually talk to me. You don't just like read my Twitter post and stuff. But now I understand that from a Zen perspective. Mm -hmm. A thing is a thing, not what is said of the thing from the yeah. lecture of that matchbox. Yeah. Because a matchbox is a matchbox, 
but okay the thing that is a matchbox is a thing that is a matchbox you can't say that yeah the thing that we call a matchbox is matchbox because yeah they're just I mean, different it's a, it's things. A tautology. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One, but, one, one thing is a word. One thing is a, is a sound that we I make. That's not a tautology, but okay. But tautology. What? It's a meaningless statement where you say when you have say two similar, and then for an example, you have two similar words that mean the same thing, and you say one thing is that other thing, but they mean the same thing, so you didn't say anything. No. Oh. But uh, and yeah, let's think about that. Let's think about the matchbox and the wooden board. Or the painting. Mm-hmm. It is of many things. How you interact with the thing as well. Mm-hmm. It's a physical thing. He kicks it over. It's a thing he kicks over. It is. <laughs> the same way words. The meaning of words comes from how we use them, not from their definitions in the dictionary. True. We give meanings to things, though, yeah. We get taught stuff. I've I've heard some disturbing stuff of people being kidnapped, put into these sects, cults, whatever the things you want to call them, and they get brainwashed to use a different dictionary. People get simple words pushed out of their minds and this is some conspiracy stuff i don't know if these things are true but this is very disturbing man people get taught absolutely different meanings for example if someone says a door what the person actually means is a chair because in that cult thing the person was brainwashed into thinking that a chair is a door and a door is a, is a sink or whatever. <laughs> some sort of stupid. like, dude, that's some weird stuff I've heard about. That. Are you like, making this shit hell? up? Is that creepy pasta or what is? No, I'm not making it up, dude. That's stupid. <laughs> this is deep you? state, bro. This is... <laughs> Why? Of all things cults could do. Why? To be a able door, to communicate. A door is a chair. <laughs> yes. Because when you talk to people... Well, not to people. You Make talk amongst themselves. Language. Yes, when you talk amongst yourselves, you mean different things. So this only shows makes, to me how you could like, change a person's sense. perspective on what a word means. This, on the other hand, this also means that children who don't know what words are, they learn them. I was watching this little thing about uh, a gorilla, Coco, was taught sign language, knows about 200 signs. It means you could teach a gorilla to think and communicate in a specific language. Means that, well, dogs too, for example, when you teach them to do certain things, right? They get, they associate a sound... uh, a word something with an action with a with an unspeakable thing um yeah don't know yeah i mean yeah that is exactly all it is i mean where language origin how a language originally was it was more like what how all other animals communicate so those 
you know, grunts and stuff, if you like. Yeah, I don't and know then, how they communicate. Holy hell, man. And over time, we somehow got more sophisticated in the way we speak. Like, things have have gotten more... We've 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 had more things to communicate. We have to we've had to differentiate between between we had to make more words, more sounds, and then eventually we had to make words, I guess. Because you could make so many sounds. And if you chain these sounds together you start to make words. I don't know, it's just this, you know, silly little theory, but that's I mean, as I as I've said you know and you, you said you know kids learned learn the language do you understand in the way the way in which we learn language as children how do we learn language as children how do we learn it got how no do we idea learn our first language well give it a shot how do you think we learn the first language because you don't sit down with a dictionary no, it's you the same to... way as as I was discussing with uh, some people about how we learn a second language or how we learn a third language. How do you translate your first language to the second? Do you translate your first to third? You know, apparently some people did. I was like, wait, dude, this is the wrong way of learning. Cause, you did, you and, didn't do that. And and their language that was is kind amazing, of, actually. And, and uh, I mean, go on, but that, I've got to go back to that. Yeah. So it was kind of interesting to talk to that person say oh are you actually translating every so apparently the person comes up with the thing he wants to say comes up with the the sentence in the first language of his translates to the, to the second language and tries to say it and he, the language of that person was kind of meh i was like yo dude you probably need to do it the other way so i tried explaining to that person a concept of images and uh, it's it's like i couldn't even explain what the things in in, in our mind are but mm -hmm. things just form in a mind like if you want to yeah. say a rock your mind doesn't go in there and look up what a rock means it's just mm -hmm. it just knows the flow the action the concept the imagery of how a rock looks like mm -hmm. and then you associate that with your well your first language when you're learning mm -hmm. it obviously you know your parents show you a freaking model car or something or i don't know like let's say like a, a chair they show you a chair and they say chair and then you associate an action an image the 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 unspeakable thing that works in your mind to a sound that is chair then later on you learn how to write it then later on you get so you get these connections all of that starts in your primal brain thing which shows these little images and then those images connect to to words and sounds and all that like yeah. for example i think of rice I know how to say rice in in English because it's rice, you know, it's it's this but I don't think for example in Lithuanian I don't think about it. I don't think about wanting to say rice and then you know sort of translating that word. Mm -hmm. In Chinese rice is fun. Mm -hmm. I don't think I go into and and look up what 
I want to say in in English, then translated to Chinese somehow. No, I just have made an association that this hieroglyph, this symbol, this sound, which sounds like fun, means rice. And I now know how to say that word in quite a few languages, but in the the very beginning, you know, there was a feeling of what rice is. Yes. <laughs> For different people, it may work a bit differently, you know. Some of them associated with taste, some of them associated with sound, right. feeling, touch. But yeah, that would be my very long but weird answer to what I would think our first language learning would be. It's like some yeah. sort of imagery connecting with a thing that is externally presented to you, like a word... Uh, a sound, a written text, yeah. Yes, that is absolutely right. And there is a lot of undoing in learning a, a language a different way. When you learn a language, as I was taught English, when I first was taught it, as you are in school, mm -hmm. as you are, as I, as I was taught when I had a tutor, for some of it anyway, hopefully not most of it, is you have a word in your original language or the language you know, and then it means that in the other language. And that is mm. fine for words like, uh, you know, just objects like a rock or a couch yeah, or yeah, something, yeah. right? It's fine for those things because you say, okay, I know, you know, I know when you say couch in my original language, I know what, what it is. I can imagine it with my brain. And then you say yeah. it in the new language and like I associate it with the word, but also with the actual thing. It's not a problem. <clears throat> but uh, there are cases where you have multiple translations because one word in one language translates to multiple meanings oh, in a yeah, different language. For sure. And that's where if you have been taught a language by constantly translating, you're going to have a lot, a, a very hard time undoing that when you realize you've been doing it wrong. Mm. Yeah. Because you've already created these pathways in your brain, these connections. Oh, and yeah. they're So, and then I kind of realized at some point after learning English for a good while that why do we learn language this way? This isn't how we've learned our first language. Mm -hmm. And this is why I struggle so much with English when I, I start to overanalyze it because there's multiple translations and like, and so there was a point where I completely, I was, I was like, okay, I'm not using translations anymore when I don't understand the word. I'm going to look up the definition. If that doesn't help me, I'm going to look up the etymology, you know, and oh, if- here we go, here we go. That's what I was going to say. And, uh, and then I was like, okay, if I'm ever going to learn another language, I'm not going to start translating words, whatever they are from English to that other language, I'm mm. going to start maybe reading kids' books and stuff with a lot of pictures that would, straight away, it would be like I was learning it as my first language. Yeah. My, the associations would be with with images, with feelings, with with, with all of that, and there wouldn't be any sort of uh, multiple translations. Or I can already like imagine this being a very big, you know, online course marketing material where, where you stand up and be like, I have, rec you know, I found this revolutionary way of learning a language, 
why do you translate words to your original language? Learn it with me and then Oscar.com language learning, something like that. You just teach people in, you know, the primal way and everyone respects you because they're like, oh my God, this guy discovered that we actually learn our first language this way. Because some people don't think about it, right? If you ask someone, how did you learn your first language? It's like, I don't know. I just don't think about it. But yeah, so so when you mentioned the the definition, yeah, I told that person, well, which we talked about previously about the, that like you, how do you, so first of all, I ask him, you know, it's, it's not like Zen way, but it's, it's almost like, ask them, you know, how, how do you do it now? It's like, oh, I go to translate and stuff and then almost present them with an idea so that the person would come up, come to the conclusion themselves. They're like, oh, wait, that makes sense. Why am I doing it this way? So then I'm sure that the, the person started looking up definitions instead of, uh, because the thing is definition is at least supposed to be written in a way simpler manner at least i would assume that even the thing that you go and do on google you know google define something right Mm -hmm. and i would imagine that there should be at least some sort of a ceiling which claims that this is you know a five-year-old's language or this is a seven-year-old's language you know so the definition of a word would be explained in such simple terms that you're more likely to know them already because they're so simple i would assume that definition is such a thing where you and then you just start you just start off start building you know start building up look up synonyms look up that stuff and just yeah yeah i never actually went into go like what is it did you say at at, at, at etymology not, etymology whatever yeah, yeah that's one thing but when you have definitions um or sorry when you have synonyms you know that's good for at least understanding what the purpose of the word is in a sentence to a certain extent will help you out uh, with the context and all of that. Um, But then you actually have to also differentiate that word from its synonyms. So, and that is involved doing more reading. Um, And, you know, words have connotations, so they could have, they could, uh, seem synonymous but then they have different connotations but connotations just uh kind of like things they're associated kind of like uh feelings i suppose even they're associated with good or bad connotations um so if you say you have a word uh, and and you say that it has bad connotations if you were to say it about somebody it would mean a bad thing about that person right mm-hmm and again connotations are a very hard thing to explain unless you actually experience them uh we had the whole fucking thing about connotations in english when i learned it here in class in english class that uh was just very very confusing for me mm-hmm. at the time but it's just something you learn with experience and with reading books even when you're reading a book and you get the word and you get it the edit's definition it might help you understand it for the first time uh, to 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 get to go, get on with the text but as you then come across that word again in in different contexts you're actually going to realize in what kind of context it's used and that's what the word is it's the context people use the word in really um 
because you can have two words that are synonymous, but then, you know, if you were to rate, say it in one context, you know, everybody would be just confused. Why, why would you say, say this word, use this word instead of that word? Yeah. And you can only learn that way. And even those like small little things that you can only learn from experience because they aren't, they aren't strictly defined, you know, dictionary is not going to help you. Etymology is, it's going to be help, but it's not going to be the end of it either, probably. Yeah, but That's etymology why... is like a good shortcut because so it, it really gives you the roots of the word and that can help a lot. Yeah. Hmm. What the hell? Definition. <laughs> I like how I, you know, when you Google something and you say definition of black or definition of red of some color or any like other word, which is definition of beautiful and i googled etymology definition because i want i wanted to know what this word means mm -hmm. what it came up with is actually a definition of a definition <laughs> <laughs> and it shows oh it actually shows the 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 etymology of definition i guess it says latin Definire, definitio, and then define, and then definition. Wow, I was gonna define. Okay, let's 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 do it another way. Define etymology. Okay, so it's a study of origin and stuff. Give me. Okay, study of origin and all that makes sense. Which can kind of give you an idea of what that word really. The, the, the good con a good context for that word the origin historical development of a linguistic form okay yeah because usually hey, it does make sense most of the things well not things most of the words if not all of them did come from somewhere yeah <laughs> you, you can't just say you know the word just appeared sort of does but at the same time if you notice that how many languages actually have similar words for sim mm -hmm. similar things they did come from some almost like same origin yeah so yeah i want to give an example actually of a word i learned today the definition of i learned today and it is extol so i want to compare the etymology uh, and the definition and i'll start with the definition um and I, I want to use Google, not DuckDuckGo, because that's where I last Google got the definition and it actually would prove a certain point. Because <laughs> DuckDuckGo is too good. Whoa. Uh, definition. Okay, so the definition of extol is to praise enthusiastically, right? Uh, let's look at the etymology of extol. Extol, um, yeah. Oh, is it e k e k s or something? E x t o l. Uh, if you think about it, right? Wow, such a weird pra word. Praise, praise enthusiastically, right? Extol. Uh, you could use the words praise enthusiastically, and there's probably a bunch of other synonymous words to extol, and it just be kind of like, okay, where do I use this, right? Where do I use this word? If it, if I could say praise enthusiastically instead of it, where would I use this word? And what is the correct context? So let's look at the origin of it. Raise um, out, upward. Yeah, right. And oh. that kind of that gives you some more context, right? 
yeah. raise up. You know, if you if you think about if you imagine you have somebody and you extol them, you praise them enthusiastically, you're raising them up, right? Well, you just you just said a word that I wanted to say. You said praise, which is also raise. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like it's so the feeling of, of, of lifting a person's mood up or lifting it you feel that if you're lifting a person it means that you're raising him and if you're raising you're sort of praising wow dude this is like weird but that's interesting yeah right and it's all these small differences that's if you if you're going to have a good command of a language and a good command of a language can only be not the gun only be, but can be uh, very useful for your influence. Um, it's going to depend on these little differences of where sh should you use uh, a particular word. Because, you you know, you can wor know many words, but if you use them in the wrong context, people are going to scratch their heads. <laughs> um, mm. And you can only really do that. And probably the best way of doing that is just by reading a lot. Because you're going to see where it's used, and that's if you think about machine learning, we are the machines in this case. We're just yeah, yeah. fed a lot of words, fed a lot of sentences, paragraphs, and then we kind of like, oh, this goes here. This, this goes yeah. Here. So, so now I sort of understand when people really say, if you want to learn a language, you have to immerse yourself, sort of, yeah, almost go out in the street, talk to the to the shopkeeper. Almost take a water bottle and be like, uh, uh, and then, you know, try to, to understand what it is. Yeah. It's a slow process, but it's going to pay off in the long run. Yeah. Because you're not going to be relying on translations and you're not going to be going between languages. Uh, translations are just not the way. No, to, yeah, to that's learn. for sure. Never. Wow. That was quite I a say conversation, never, right? man. But, uh, you, translations would probably be useful if you have like a book for tourists this you know with certain phrases yeah for want. sure if you want to quickly right. quickly learn something for you know uh, yeah. a short to be used you know or, or or if you go to well we we obviously obviously need interpreters and you know live translators who work in a multicultural multinational for example the european parliament something where i've heard it for the first time i think when you put the the little headphones on mm. you can switch in to a channel where there's interpreter booths and they get the live feed from what the person is saying well for example in french maybe and then they translate it to a channel on that air earphone system so then you can select which booth, because every booth stands for a different language and there's a different interpreter. So we do need translations, but, you know, obviously that's not, we're not talking about that. We're talk, we're not talking about understanding other people. We're now talking about learning a language. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it, if it actually, if it bothers people. I, I think... Which I don't know why I haven't made a point of it. I think my mom's my mom does a lot of her learning for translation. I think. Which, uh, I mean, I don't know. If at a certain age, 
it is just too much to start from scratch. I don't, I think it's just still way easier. I mean, like how, how much she struggles with, I mean, she's, she can speak English, but she, she's often like very, um, concerned about if she understands something the right way. Right. Yeah, and then goes to translations and stuff. Does it mean this or does it mean that? And I can see how it can be, how can it can cause like anxiety almost mm. when you you see which of the translations is it then? Why why is it why does this translate this way or but not that way? <laughs> right? Yeah, it seems like it should translate this way, but in this context, it translates that way, and and, and you wouldn't really have that problem so much if. Uh, yeah, but the thing is, it, it, you need to, you know, put in effort, and you need to. I think at the start, yeah, it, and you also need to know. At the start. Yeah, but the effort also translates into a, a a wish of yours to actually learn it. Because if you don't really need the language, you just need to, you know, understand no, yeah. some technical concepts or, you know, read an instruction booklet or something. You're not really gonna go and learn, you know, the street slang just to understand a technical book. No, like you, no, no. you only no, need a language up to a certain level to which you need. Like, but maybe your mom yeah. doesn't really want to. Like, I don't know. Well, no, but okay. So have mom, philosophical think, debates with people in English. Yeah, I don't think it's. I don't. No, I don't think it's that. But she is. She's. Uh, I think she's more sure of herself now with her language. But she's always. She's always very kind of unsure of herself with English. Um, and I saw that it caused her a lot of distress to, to learn English. Mm, okay. So I feel like that can be avoided if you go about learning a language the way we talked about. And I mean, she's been learning the language. She wants to learn a language. That's the thing. She wants to learn it well. So I feel like, and she, you know, she wants to be, cause I mean, if you're going to live in another country for the rest of your life, you want to be able to have good good conversations with people. Oh, because she lives here. Uh, okay. I yes, see. she lives here. I see. Yes. And that actually troubles me a lot more now that I think about it. That she's for 10 years been kind of a lot of her learning was based on translations. Well, you may have a chat with her. You may introduce her to a concept like that. And uh, that just, yeah. Some people not know things like that, you know? That's why we're out here talking. Yeah. Advocating for different stuff, which... Like, I don't know shit. I just know certain things, like... It's good that I know this concept, which allows me to learn the language. But at the same time, I don't know many other things. So that's why, you know, trying to get this knowledge out. And uh, accepting the humility of those who speak do not know <laughs> yeah and uh, yeah let's not take this thing obviously for for you know uh being uh i don't even know what what word would would fit here a holy cow or something you know it's a it's some people use this in different ways but the holy grail or whatever right you, you just let's not this let's not take this sentence absolutely as a you know the perfect truth but still if if you aren't speaking if you aren't talking at least you have a chance to listen and and learn from something but mm. 
I'm glad that we shared this thing with with the world, and maybe some language learners are gonna find. Yeah, it I was totally. I was very surprised when you brought that up. Because I, I seriously didn't think a lot of people thought about. Uh, oh no, I've had conversations, hopefully saving people from this translation-based learning. So I don't know how they're doing right now, but I'm hoping that it's going well, you know. But I think we can agree that it at the start, while it might be slow, perhaps not difficult, but slow, um, that with time you will have much an easier time to learn the language further. Yes, there there's loads of examples of stuff like that, not necessarily with the language, but with mastering a concept rather than um, learning some knowledge which uh, let, let's let's use the, the the most basic example. If you learn the multiplication table, like if you by heart learn it. Mm-hmm. I never learned it by heart, sort of. Well, I, I sort of know most of it, but like when it comes to eight times eight and eight times seven and seven times six, whatever, like you know that region? Yeah. Between these three numbers, I just don't know. But <laughs> yeah. I know how to use I don't, it. <laughs> I don't know the fucking yeah. alphabet. <laughs> uh, oh. <laughs> no, I get no much. <laughs> yeah. But I I'll mean, probably go wrong somewhere. Because it doesn't fucking matter <laughs> to me. Well, I, mean, I never go I never go index things farther and probably D. I go A, B, C, D, okay. I, I, nothing goes farther than that if it's a list or whatever. That's a, not a good thing to say on the podcast, but <laughs> Oh yeah, I've gotten well, I have gotten situations where I needed that, but yeah, um alphabet is something that's very not hard to learn if you sing the little song, you know, or whatever, yeah. like A B C yeah. D F G H J K L M all that. But I'm saying that knowing how numbers work like imagine teaching someone the multiplication table they're never really gonna go beyond the 10 times 10 because that's it that's where the multiplication table ends no one really goes to school and tries to learn up to 20 times 20 because that's just a massive amount of numbers you just, <laughs> you don't do that but imagine uh, teaching someone in this way imagine develop techniques yeah yeah but imagine teaching someone in this way and showing him say this is a figure called six. This is a figure called two. If you put them together, you get 12 or something, but never really teaching the person math, right? Never Mm -hmm. really teaching the person that six is actually just, you know, six sticks on the table or six apples or whatever, you know, like not going into that primal meaning etymology of the concept that you're trying to get across, you know? Yeah, no, you won't, because you can't. That's when you're teaching a child. <laughs> when you, yeah, yeah, yeah. For teaching a child, teaching a language or something. Yeah, but imagine, uh, you know, just getting uh, this knowledge. Yeah. I mean, I wonder if if you have, um, if you if you learned the entire ten, uh, time, times table up to 10 times 10, could you... As a, as a fresh brain, as a child who's learning math for the first time, uh, and you taught them, you know, the multiplication table up to 10 times 10, would they then be able to infer what 20 times 20 is from just knowing that, I wonder? Well, if they've never seen a number called 20, 
Uh, right. Yeah, so they'd actually have to have an idea of how counting is done in the language. Yeah. But that, that counting comes before the multiplication. So... It was a kind of weird example with the multiplication, but still, you know what I mean. It's like I mean, teaching it's a person a concept. Thing, yeah. yeah, teaching a person a concept, not how to use it, you know, not teaching a person how to use it, but teaching a person the the knowledge, the theoretical knowledge of it, right? So I was always a, a, be, a big proponent or whatever the, the word for this, like one who proposes and supports a given idea. So... Yeah, proponent. A proponent yeah. of knowing the concept more in depth if you actually need to know the concept. Not just uh, going, taking notes in a class and then trying to regurg regurgitate this nonsense in, a, in a, an exam where yeah. you're getting asked things. And uh, yeah, this is a very different topic altogether about like how the you know the education should be yeah. structured but yeah i feel like understanding things is is the way to go though sometimes i do feel lazy you know it's like i, I don't really want to spend much time trying to understand such a concept because for example i i know that i may not need it or or something you know mm -hmm. yeah All right yeah damn it was quite a quite an interesting episode man it's just quite, yeah, it's quite interesting. We started with Plato. Started a little with, bit. Uh, with, yeah. I wish I'd had more time to, to, to read maybe the whole book, but I had uh, work. So. Well, yeah. maybe next week. Well, <laughs> that's, let's hope we can do something else next week. And not, yeah, not, not get it as, into this philosophical. I don't know, I wouldn't call it a rut, but into this. Well, how do you imagine it? That's the question that I can... Like, what do you think a good episode would be where we discuss, like, what? Well, well as in, what, what should we discuss in the next episode? Or what are you saying? Is that what you're saying? No, not really. So do you think that today's conversation was a, a good episode? I enjoyed it, yeah. Okay. I enjoyed the part... Because you mean the... We... You see, you, you talk about that philosophical rut as if philosophy was something that was yeah. either so see, black or white connotations <laughs> i don't but, know what that uh, means sorry <laughs> i have to look it up um an idea or feeling which a word invokes for a person in addition to its literal or primary meaning okay so inferred meaning some weird okay yeah okay. so you have yeah a word that could mean uh that without that by definition means something but then it also has some feeling attached to it which if you're not aware of you might sound stupid mm -hmm. uh, because like oh you can't use this in a positive light even if you think it's just the right way but anyway it doesn't matter <laughs> okay so what, what were we what were we saying well i think we can have a conversation about this uh off the off the podcast and okay yeah yeah of course <laughs> kind of a good episode i don't know i am gonna title this a thing is a thing not what is said of a thing yeah uh because even talking about language well a word I don't, I don't. a word that uh means 
a feeling, for example, in one language or a word that means a concept, which is, there are some, some untranslatable concepts. So for example, let's take language A and let's take language B. You're, you're going to try and learn language B, but a word in language B is going to be a word in language B. It's really not going to be something that is said of that word in a language A, well, yeah. which is a, which is the translation, which is... Uh, That's the other thing, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of... Don't know. Yeah, but when you, when, you, when you say a thing as a thing, you have to be careful because you have a tautology on your hands. And saying a thing is a, a thing because it is a thing doesn't mean anything. <laughs> You well, we're thing. not. You could say, but but I mean, we 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 I think. Well, we you're not this in the episode. quoting it as a full thing. It a thing is a thing, not what is said of that thing. It it is a. You you don't just take this out of context. No, okay. I said I I didn't mean to take it out of context, but even in the context, it would be better to say, the thing is the thing, for because of the experiences that we have with the thing no an experience Indeed. that we have with a thing is not a thing a thing is a thing you cannot that's one of the things that we have with the thing an experience being one of well the then i can the i can rephrase this quote if you want a thing is a thing not what is said of the thing not what is experienced with the thing not what <laughs> No, a thing is a thing. That's it. It's a matchbox. That's, it's well, not you have a, a noise. On your hands. What is a tautology? The saying of the same thing words, twice okay. over in different words. I mean, it's not necessarily bad, but it you know you can say that, and it's uh, it's fair to say that, but. Um, I think it's fair to say that a thing is a is the thing that it is because of the way that we of of the connection that we have with it. For us, the thing is a thing that we think it has a connection. Yes, then, but in the existence of that thing in the universe, it doesn't care about our existence. It just exists. And that's why that thing is the, that thing. Yeah. We don't just appear besides that thing and say, oh, let's give it a name or let's give it a feeling or something. And now it's going to change. No, it's matter, which is. And it doesn't care about our existence as long as we don't care about its existence. Because then you, you can argue for a tautology, I guess. Okay. Well, no, not then. But yes, you've convinced me. That's fine. We, well, we can. We will go with that. I think is a thing, Oscar. It is indeed. We give meanings to it, attach meanings to it. But that's that's another thing. <laughs> that's not the same thing. It's another thing. <laughs> but. Uh, well, mind stimulating, mind scratching discussion, I guess. Discourse, conversation. Well, Are you gonna pull out your your 
book of what a discourse or a conversation means? Yeah, I don't think it was a discourse, <laughs> but I don't, I don't care right now. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I shall call it a conversation then. Yeah, conversation is an umbrella term for all of them, so you can use conversation. <laughs> Works for me. <laughs> anyway, I think uh, that you that's think it for thing? that's it for this week. It's been an hour of of the thing. A thing is a thing, so. Uh, it is the thing. No, it's just a thing. It's the not. Thing. It's it's not the thing. <laughs> Fucking hell, <laughs> Oscar. A thing is a thing. That's it. You, That's okay. It's I like a thought. You already. It's a thought. Uh, a thought is a thought. You can't explain it to me because it is a thing. It is what it is. <laughs> Don't try to explain it to me. You just said it yourself. The one it's that can be named is not the eternal towel. That's that's the the first verse from Tao Te Ching. The tower that can be told is not the eternal towel. Exactly. The name that can be named is not the eternal name. So if you can explain don't, what it is, pretty much. Don't try to tell me the absolute truth with this, which doesn't exist. Well, I, I think that this is the absolute truth, actually. <laughs> because okay. it claims that if you can name the truth, then it's not the truth. And by, by me naming uh, that, it's yes. almost a tautology again, but... Well, that's reflexive. By me naming that this is the absolute truth of knowing that there is no absolute truth, it already contradicts itself, but... Yeah, contradicts itself is a better word. If you can name it... That isn't. If you can name it, you can't name it. Or no, if you can name it, then it's not the thing, because the thing is the thing. That's that's it. I'm, that's how I'm going to end it I this way. I think I'm week. losing brain cells now. <laughs> no, it's, it's a very good concept. Have you not thought about that? What? Why would you infer that? By well, God. <laughs> So you're losing brain cells by thinking about a concept, which is... Be an absurdist. Wow. Damn. I think we can end it here because it's getting ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> this is absolute absurd, man. Well, I think uh, absurdism philosophy is another weird thing, which... Uh, it's another thing to talk about. <laughs> it is indeed. It's, uh, not for a while. Not for a while. That is absolute nonsense, and I shall claim that I do not exist. By God, that is true. <laughs> oh, are you naming a religion right now? Who is God? No. And what is God for you, then? <laughs> I can't tell you what my God is. He just is. God is God. Oh, you, you said he. Hmm. Did you did. <laughs> Define he. <laughs> <laughs> what are we fucking still doing here <laughs> well having a zen conversation which doesn't lead to anywhere and is absolute nonsense I shall read up on this more and talk to you next week you're right the thing is the thing <laughs> a river flow I didn't get to pick apart Taoism but that's okay an ocean a tree Cherry tree. That's it. That's how we're going to end this week's episode. Just saying cherry blossom. Beautiful.
See y'all. See you.